0: Good evening everyone, <laughs> Hi, my name is Liana Dashna, I see a lot of people I haven't met, I'm um, wife of Reno, who's senior pastor here, he's at home with the kids, so that I get to be here tonight, I'm very privileged, I love being with you guys in the evening service, wasn't that amazing time in the Lord's presence, oh, my heart is just so blessed, thank you band, thank you for leading us, Yo, let's give them a hand. You know, in um, in the Old Testament, people couldn't really come into God's presence. They had to go to the temple, they had to bring a sacrifice, and it was very complicated, and it wasn't like it is now. How amazing that we get to come to church, we get to be in God's presence, that He is here before we are here. And how blessed that some people take our time, the band, and they practice, not just their music, but they practice the presence. And then they lead us there. It's really a privilege. It's an amazing privilege, not something you can buy with money. Um, it's valuable, and um, yeah, it's just such a such a blessing to us. So I'm excited to share with you tonight. Let me just pray. Father, we're just so humbled in your presence. We love you, Lord. Thank you that our hearts sing tonight, that we love you, Jesus. We are blessed, we are privileged, we love coming into your presence. Thank you, God, that you are here. I sense some hearts in this place that um, has maybe found some of the evening weird um but thank you lord that we were made to know you we were made to worship you thank you lord that every heart in this place might find that rest in you thank you jesus that we can just spend this time with you want to consecrate this time to you thank you lord that you activate our minds tonight our thinking you say in the word that we would love the lord with all our heart all our mind and all our understanding thank you that you just switch on our minds switch on our understanding tonight lord Also our hearts, also our spirits, but thank you for stirring even in our brains. Uh, Thank you, Lord, that you, as we come to know you, you renew us day by day. Thank you that we can grow tonight. Thank you, Father, for everything that you've purposed. And we we say, Lord, let whatever you've purposed come to be tonight, Lord. And, you know, God is a gentleman. Um, He will never do something that you don't allow him to do, that you don't ask him for. So if you want him to work in your heart, you ask him. You ask him to work in your heart tonight, if you want him to. If you don't want him to, if you don't ask, then he won't. He's not rude. Um, he doesn't override you well. But just take a few moments. And if you want the Lord to work in your heart tonight, you ask him. You say, Lord, work in my heart. Lord, I open the door to you. Lord, I allow you. Um, many years ago, I came to a church like this, and I was in the worship, and I did not know God. And I sat walking in. It's funny because I didn't believe God existed yet. I spoke to him, but I said, I just want to say, I don't believe you exist. Let's just put it out there. You can be honest tonight with God for a few moments. Just be honest with him. You can say the truth that you feel. He knows it anyways. Just take a few moments and, and express your heart to God. Ask him some questions if you want. Just give him the right of way if you want to give it to him. Lord that when we ask you are faithful thank you that nothing happens by our own trying but it happens through you and through your son Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit thank you that we can rest um, in your faithfulness and your ability to do the work in us in Jesus name amen amen so I am going to speak tonight about values and the church has been on a journey and you might have missed it altogether, (laughs) or you might have been on some parts of this journey. But I'm going to just try and catch us all up to the same page. And before I get there, I just want to explain some things around this. So, who has ever ridden on a bus, as in Greyhound, Intercape, (laughs) etc.? Someone has done it a lot, I think. (laughs) and, And those who haven't, I'm sure you have an idea of how it works. It's not exactly rocket science. So, if you want to ride a bus, what do you need to do? You need to buy a ticket. How do you know what ticket to buy? What do you tell them when you buy the ticket? You tell them where you want to go, what date, and then what times are available. Sleepliner. Sleep <laughs> <laughs> How do you choose? a br- like? Th- now, there's the same date. It's going the same place. There's an intercape and a ground and a whatever, a sleep liner. How do you choose? The cheapest one, yes. (laughs) What's it gonna cost? (laughs) I think Rihanna's choosing the one that you can sleep on, is it? (laughs) I'm not sure. So it's pretty simple, we all do it. Um, When you get on a bus, when you buy your ticket, do you try and base the fact that you buy a ticket on the people around you on the bus? No, because you don't know who they will be. You don't ask the person selling the ticket like, so just tell me who else has booked tickets on this bus. (laughs) Why does it not matter? Why don't you care who else is on the bus? Yeah, it's about where you're going. It's not about where you're going with. Because the bus trip could be long, but it's probably not going to be months. I don't think anyone drives somewhere for months in a bus. But what if I told you you're going to buy a bus ticket and it's going to be decades that you're going to be on the bus? What else would you need to take into consideration. Sleeping, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who's on the bus, yeah. (laughs) What's allowed on the bus, yes. (laughs) Food, yes. Your stomach, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Toilets. (laughs) So if it's going to be a really long journey, like decades, obviously there's things to think about. So why does it matter who's on the bus? If you want to have conversations, then, then they must be what? Like nice people or oh, interesting. Oh, if yeah, that's not going to work for you. <laughs> if the people are socially awkward, that's not going to work. <laughs> what about what it, wh- How would you choose people if you could choose the people on your bus based on what would you choose them? I'm hoping you're not going to choose them on what they look like. People that you can learn from. People who are like-minded. <laughs> they mustn't be socially awkward, but they must also not talk a lot. <laughs> Very high standards. <laughs> you want someone you can get along with, yeah? Because it's going to be a long time. And and why does it matter? So what you are describing is behavior. You're saying what are the people on the bus going to behave like? Why does it matter how they behave? How does why does that matter to you? You want to enjoy your trip. You want. <laughs> We're back to talking a lot if you want to sleep. So they must not be socially awkward, not talk too much, and definitely not talk when you want to sleep. Okay. She's really got it down to detail. What is the, the one reality is it's about your comfort. That's the one reality. Something like Marion said you want to learn. Maybe it's about your growth. The other reality is, and this is um, a guy said this, is a, um, a very big businessman, I'll get to his name later. And he said, and he, he started pretty much, he was part of the start of this whole coaching um, life skill kind of movement. And he said that you become like the five people that you spend the most time with. So the other reality is, whatever's happening on this bus, if you're on the bus for 10 years, it doesn't matter how amazing your intentions are, you'll probably become like the people on the bus. So you can show us the pictures, Jason, bus pictures. So my sermon tonight is how do we behave on the bus. So this to me is like the ideal bus. It's fun, everyone's connecting. It's not sleeping time. (laughs) next one. sometimes (laughs) Rihanna's bus, everyone's sleeping. You can uh, get a bus that's really asleep. Next one. You can get a bus where everyone's wearing a mask. Everyone's pretending to be something. No one's showing their real self. Another one. You could get a bus where there's blood on the bus. Next one. You can get a bus where there's a lot of joy on the bus. It looks like there's some fun on that bus. You can get a bus where everything seems fine, but no one connects to each other. No one talks to each other. You can get a bus where everyone seems to be on an amazing journey. They seem to be together. There's kids and older people. Is it the last one, Jason. Okay. So there's different kinds of buses, there's different kinds of people on the bus, and tonight I'm going to talk about the journey that all of us are on, and the bus that we are on, and what I'm really going to talk about is how do we behave on the bus, and that comes down to values. So firstly, as a Christian, there's the question of whether you should get on a bus, and I'm talking about a church, um, should you get on a bus, should you not get on a bus, and we're going to read some scriptures, Hebrews ten twenty-five. Just to set the groundwork, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more, as you see the day drawing near. Scripture clearly um, prescribing life as a Christian in relationship. We do something together, we're going somewhere together. We don't neglect meeting together. What is the meeting together? For us, it's a Sunday service. It's a Wednesday small group. This is where we meet together. And the Bible says, let's not neglect that. So clearly the Bible is saying to get on the bus. Psalm 92 verse 12 to 13. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. How, when does the righteous, righteous flourish? When they are planted in the house of the Lord. It says They will flourish in the courts of our God. God is three persons. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. They have relationship with each other. So God in himself has relationship. So we are created in the image of God. We are relational beings. We cannot fully... Exist as God made us. Otherwise, we are made for relationship. You cannot do this thing alone. You can try. Some people try. Um, you can't fully accomplish what God has for you by yourself. He brings us together in a body, and that's a whole different message. But I just wanted to lay that foundation. So, biblically, you have to get on a bus. Okay. So, when you need to get on a bus, if, when you decide, and when you know, and when you become a Christian, and you join a church, how do you choose? Which church you join? What do you look at in terms of churches? The (laughs) The one I can grow from? The fruit of the church? The vision? The values? So the vision is, where is this church going? The values is, how are the people behaving? So obviously I'm talking about when you look at all the churches in the world, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to choose a church that believes the right things. Okay, so that's, that's, we're not even going outside of that pool. We're not talking about a cult or some deviation now. We're talking within the pool of where um, Christian churches believe the Bible, love the Lord, the basics. What do you look at to see what a church believes? Do you know what Shofa believes? Basically. And if you wanted to know, where would you find that? The website, yes. (laughs) It is on the website. (laughs) That's a very important first step. (laughs) What are you looking for on the website? Do you know what it's called that every church has? We have mission and vision, but that's not... In the mission and the vision, you won't find what we believe. Statement of beliefs. Statement of faith, yes. Jason, can you show us? So I want to show you where it is. So if you scroll all the way up, please, Jason, just so that you see. So you go to shofaronline.org. Then you go to about, that like link at the top there, about. And then if you scroll down on the page, you'll get to what we believe. Then there's core values that, you, that can open up and close down. And then there's statement of faith. And you can read this whole thing. You can go to the website at home. You can take that away again. Thanks, Jason. We're not going to read it now. Um, but this is what we believe as a church this is our statement of faith every church has one so we're not even talking about other churches now we're just talking about churches that believe the bible etc so when you have this group is there only one church that believes the bible say for instance in Cape Town no (laughs) okay so some people might live somewhere in the country where there might only be one okay but you don't (laughs) you have a lot of options there's a lot of churches who believe the Bible. How do you know which one you should be in? Resonates with your call. Okay, so as a Christian, I'm hoping the first thing you would do is pray about it. Because God wants you, and he places you in a specific home, and he will tell you where it is. So that's the number one. But the number two that's very important is, it's think of buying a bus ticket. Except that you're going to be on this bus for decades, probably. At least for a long time. So what you want to do is, is you want to look at those two things. You want to look at where is this bus going? Where is this church going? Rihanna said if it aligns with your calling. If I am called to absolutely, absolutely reach Japan, that's like I dream about it, I know that I've got to reach Japan. We've never had missions to Japan, and we're not specifically planning that. And... No one in this church has ever said to me that they specifically feel called to Japan. That might be valuable for me if I was the person called to Japan, to look at the vision of this church, to see where they're going, to say, I agree with everything they believe in, I love it, but it's not going where I'm going. It doesn't help me to get on this bus, because I'm not going to end up where God is taking me. Obviously, we know that we don't always know our calling. Especially when we get saved, we get have maybe an idea of it. We all grow in it. It takes time, so it's not as clear cut as I'm called for Japan, and this church doesn't do missions to Japan. That's just an easy example. It's not that clear cut, which is why you need to have a spirit witness. But you ha- need to at least have a general idea that it's aligning. So you say, "I'm getting on here," and that's where they're going, and and that's also where I can go. And sometimes. Uh, you know, if you look at a natural family my daughter, I have a daughter and a son, and I gave birth to them, so I know that they are my children there's no doubt for me they came out of my body um and the thing is for them, th- they came from me and Reno, so there's really no question that they are my children, so they don't really have to think about which house they need to join, okay. <laughs> They were born in my house. As long as my house is not abusive, it's good for them to be in my house. They were born there. God gives everything in the natural as a picture of the Spirit. So if you're born in a house, that's probably your house. Until it gets to a place, I mean, I'm not talking about something that's going wrong. If you're somewhere in a a spiritual house and something's really going wrong, as in not according to the Bible or there's something abusive going on obviously just as in the natural if this if a child is being abused that child should be taken from that home and the child might find another home so there are exceptions but the pattern is people are born into a house obviously the lord works in different ways we all move around the lord uses us in different places so it doesn't pull through to everything but i'm glad my children don't question that they're in my house (laughs) i love them and um So you want to know, after you've read the statement of faith, you know what a church believes, and you can agree with that. You want to know where that church is going. But it's not enough, actually, to know where church is going. And tonight, talking to all of us, most of us in this room, already on this bus, and I hope you have an idea of where we're going. Who knows where we're going? Watch the vision of this bus, of this church? Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> to, to reach nations and generations through discipleship, leadership development, and church planting. Okay, that's where we're going. And um, as, a, as a specific, that's where the whole Shofar movement is going. As a specific congregation, we're also refining that. Um, and we, we're still on that process for the rest of the year. But we're going to make break that down even more in terms of where we're going. Now, If you go back to that picture, the cartoon one, Jason, the black and white one. Yeah. So let's say all the buses and all the pictures are going to the same place. They're not going to get there with the people behaving in the same way. Okay. So this, all the buses may be going to a specific place. And this bus could possibly also be going there. But there's some buses I would rather be on than this one. So it's not just about where we are going. It matters how we get there. Thanks, Jason. And as I said, what's this guy's name? Let me just find it. Jim Ron, businessman. He said, you become like the people that you spend time with. As a Christian, what's the first thought that you have when I say that? Spend time with God. The primary person you should be spending time with is God. It's the way you become like Jesus. But it's also valuable to see who else you spend time with. Because on a lot of different levels, and this guy is not a Christian, this is not a, a Christian perspective. But do we find this in scripture? Who can give me a scripture? Who, who's, who knows? And who, who has a scripture? Is it biblically true that you become like the people around you? You said yes over there. Why? What's the scripture? What does it say? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Well done. Take care of yourself. Good. Um, unless bad company corrupts good um, character. Now the scripture. Hmm. I guess you could pull that through, yeah. The Christians. Hmm. Okay, so they became like each other in that sense, and they were known for being like that. Yeah. I mean, get it? Ye- yes, that's the other one. Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So biblically you become like the people around you. Obviously there's two kinds of relationships. Um, There's a couple in Tableview who pastor there, the guy actually preached this morning. They are over 70. So myself and Raina see them about every second week. So she mentors me. So she is one of the five people who's shaping my life, but I'm not shaping her life. It's a different kind of relationship. she inputs to me. I'm not inputting to her. I'm learning from her. And as Christians, we grow to live sacrificially. So you will have people around you that you are giving into their lives, where you might be shaping them, but they, they're not necessarily shaping you. So as Christians, we understand that it's not necessarily the five people you spend the most time with, because you have differently defined relationships. But the five people who you allow to influence you, who you spend the most time with, or it's not stuck to five, the three or the six or the whatever, is um, what you become like. This is why it's important to have good accountability partners. It's important to be in church. It's important to have friends who encourage you in the Lord. Um, and to have friends sometimes who have even better if they have different gifting from you. Then you can grow in ways that are different from yourself. So this is why w- you want to um, make sure when you get on the bus, And you're going to be there for decades. You want to have a look at the people. So what did we say? What about the people are we looking at? We're looking at the behavior. So it's not walking into a church and thinking like going through the row. I like him. I like her. I like him. I like her. Mm, don't like that one. like that one. See how many you like. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a culture. How do these people behave? Okay. So life's not just about where you're going. It's about who you are becoming. As you're going there, Jason, you can put that one up. What you believe, and as a church, what we believe is our statement of faith and it's our values. And I'm going to move towards values more now, so don't worry if you don't understand it now. What you believe forms what you think. This is what is called your environment. This is what's going on in your head. We'll read Romans 12 as 2 now. What you think influences your behavior. So what you believe to be true will be how you behave. If you truly believe all people are equal and valuable in God's eyes, you will greet everyone the same way. You won't gravitate towards people who are a certain group or who are like you. If your inner belief is that all people have equal value, it will show in your behavior. It will show in what you say. The same goes for every kind of belief that there is. It comes out in your behavior. And when there's a lot of behavior in one place, it becomes the environment, what we also call the culture or the atmosphere. Even in a spiritual sense, when a lot of people are worshiping, like we are worshiping tonight, we are it's a specific kind of behavior. And it comes from thinking and it comes from a belief. We believe God is God, we believe He is good. We believe he's worthy to be worshipped. When we believe that, we think about it, and then we do it. It causes a certain kind of behavior. And when, when there is a lot of that behavior, then there's an atmosphere, then there's a culture. And the powerful thing is how this works backwards. So in this room, there is a culture. And we might not, some of it would be defined, some of it would be undefined. Because we do things together, there will be a lot of us in this room who might think the same way about something. And hopefully it's biblical and hopefully it's good. And we want to continually grow in that. And we want to even, culture is often unaware and undefined. It happens and and you don't know that it happens, but it happens. And this year, a lot of what we're doing in the church is we want to make ourselves aware of our culture. And we want to change it where we need to. You want to see what, is the amaz- what are the amazing things in our culture. But what are the things in a culture? I don't mean ethnicity. I mean church culture. So when I'm with my family, that's Afrikaans. They're from an Afrikaans culture. There's specific Afrikaans cultural things that they do. But I'm not talking about an Afrikaans culture or another culture. I'm talking about the culture in this room. The Shofar Bosch culture. When we are together as people from Shah Faranabash, what do we do? How do we do it? What do we think? What do we believe? Now, the powerful thing is that when there's an, a, cult- a culture or atmosphere or environment, and it's established like it would be in this room, it's come for us. It's a lot of it comes this way, but when a new person walks in, it works the other way around. They come into a culture. They come. They walk into our environment hopefully it's a good environment and it's healthy and automatically you, you've you all done this so um i'm quite like i had a friend and we used to really chat a lot and we used to chat quite loud and we went overseas and i was on a train um, in america on the subway and um people on the train are completely quiet it's really odd like no one speaks and so me and my friend were like talking and people were like looking at us like this is inappropriate. You know what I mean? I'm like, we're talking. Plus we're talking Afrikaans, so you don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, and you know what happens? The moment that you realize no one else is doing it and that they're looking at you, what do you do? You, s- you like, start whispering and then you kind of eventually get <laughs> quiet. I walked into a culture and I adapted my behavior. And if, I'm, if I adapt my behavior long enough, it changes my thinking. And if I allow it, it can change my belief. And if this is healthy and this is good and someone comes in, then this is amazing. This is like in school, what they talk about, negative peer pressure or positive peer pressure. If this is bad, and you come in and you walk through this line, that's bad. If you in high school and you a Christian like I was and all my friends are using drugs and I get into this environment I want to join in with what they were doing the moment I changed my behavior I start changing my thinking I literally remember this happening the Lord really protected me um that I actually never really got into drugs but um I remember a few of my good friends used to use drugs quite uh, regularly the one was a very good netball player is a netball player the other one was a very good athlete And people always told me, don't use drugs because it will damage you, you know. But they used it regularly for years, and they performed amazingly. And I remember how it changed my thinking to see it. My thinking changed that people are not right. People have been lying to me because I see this behavior with them, and I think about it, I'm like, it's not damaging them. And if I let it go far enough, it could have changed my belief. No, actually, drugs are not bad for you. Praise the Lord, he kept me from that. But as Christians, we want to become more like Jesus, and we want to bring, what is the end of the the Lord's Prayer? Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to be changed, we want to become like Jesus, and we want the world to be changed. We want the kingdom to come on earth. So we are in the business of change. Change is life for us. Change is actually life for everyone, they don't always realize it. But we want to be intentional about change, we want to be proactive about change. So this is the real way of change. You get what they call um, transforming behavior or behavior modification. So it might be that someone walks into this room who's perhaps very aggressive, likes to hit other people. Now in this room, in this service, they'll realize that no one is aggressive, no one is hitting each other. So the time that they are in this room, they will adapt their behavior, they'll probably not hit someone else now here is kind of where the crunch comes behavior modification if it is if that person comes into this room and he doesn't hit anyone else after the service he goes out he goes to the club and he hits someone that there was no transformation of behavior there was behavior modification and you know um, as a pastor that I see this all the time when you meet people so I, I, I really Try to work on my, when, when someone goes, so what do you do? I really try and work on that answer. Um, come up with good ways to state it. But I- normally when you have a conversation with people and you're just chatting, and especially if the person's swearing, when you get to, um, what do you do? And you go, I'm a pastor. Do you know how often people go, oh, I'm so sorry for my language. <laughs> like, it didn't matter up to now. But now that you are a pastor, now it matters. And then they immediately stop swearing. (laughs) That is behavior modification. Based on some belief that they have, I don't know, they've changed their behavior while they are with me. But I know the moment that they walk away, it's going on. Okay, so that's behavior modification. Obviously, for us, that's not what we want. We don't want to modify behavior. Why does behavior modify and not transform? you didn't change your thinking and you didn't change your belief and this is what you need to walk away with in your head tonight for you to become more like Jesus for us to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth things have to change all the time I have to change I have to change every day I have to grow I have to mature um, I want to be a more faithful person I want to be a person who prays more I want to carry the presence of Jesus more for that to happen in my life, I need to be continually changing. I need to be continually growing. What is growing? Growing is a way of changing. And I need to understand that there's no point I change my behavior in, in terms of a modification. If I don't change my thinking and my belief, then it's not real. And this is what values are. Values is, what do I believe? Because everything else will come from that. So every one of you in this room has a set of values, whether you know it or not. How do you know what your values are? You think, how do you make a decision? I have three things that I could do today. How do I choose which one I'm going to do? The one that you choose, you chose that based on a value. Something in you um, said this thing is more important than that thing. So I have this difficult thing in my personality that I'm like a little bit perfectionist, So when I clean the house, I like it to be really perfect. Like, you know, nice lines and no clutter, nothing, like completely. Now, the problem is I have two toddlers. um, So this is like a little bit impossible. Um, So before I had kids, I spent a lot of time cleaning my house perfectly. Now, what I've had to change since I've had kids is this is a value decision for me. Sometimes I have an hour before I know people are coming into my house. And then I have to tell myself... I haven't spent time with my kids today. I can play with them now for 45 minutes and I can do a quick 15 minutes, you know, just move all the mess in the house into two rooms or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> or I can clean the house now, but then I'm gonna spend time with my kids. How did I choose what I did there? I value time with my kids, so I chose my kids. Although I really would've liked to clean my house and I really don't like when the people get there and it's not clean. I had something more valuable, and I chose that. So think of how you choose activities. How, how do you choose to spend your time? How do you prioritize? And that's the values that you already have. So the problem is not sometimes that people don't have values. It's that you don't think about your values. You have them. You're already making decisions based on them. And we're going to look a bit tonight at personal values. But for the rest of this year, and we've had a big journey already, we are looking at the values of the church. And a few months ago, we spoke to, as leadership, as district leaders and deacons, we prayed together, we spoke about this, we trusted the Lord for a way to work this out. Um, two or three times I mentioned it in front of the whole church, I said, anyone's welcome to give their input. We said, let's just get together, let's trust the Lord to lead us to what are the values of this church. We had a weekend away with Kenny, and some of the leaders went on the weekend, and some of the leaders took people along, and we just workshop a whole lot of this, we came up with pages and pages full of things and then we had a task team we've met twice after that we spent like hours into after midnight going through all the input from the camp and from people in church and and narrowing it down and really praying about it and we eventually came to five core values so as a church we'll have lots of values not just five there's lots of things that we value but we came down to five core values and at the end of this evening I'm going to share with you what it is but I first want to talk about personal values so the important thing about having values is that if you don't have if you only have a vision and you don't have values what you're saying is as long as we get to our goal it doesn't matter how we get there so you might get to your goal whatever your goal might be you might reach the nations but what kind of a person do you want to be when you get there do you want to be the one knuckling the other people out of the bus um, do you want to be the one asleep <laughs> Or do you want to be the one with the mask? Or do you want to be the person who's themselves, who's joyful, who's in community? So the the vision is where we're going to get, where we're going, but the values is what am I going to become when I get there? And when you don't have the values, technically what you're saying is the end justifies the means. You can put that on up, Jason. If everyone knows what that is, I'll just give you a, a really real life example. So who knows what stem cell research is? So they, t- they take bone marrow from humans, they use it for re- medical research. It's extremely helpful. You can really, um, because there's so much information in bone marrow, um, and because it determines so many things about the human body, if you have that, there's so much you can look at in terms of big diseases in the world and how to cure them and how to prevent them. Very valuable. Who knows where they normally get the stem cells? From babies, what babies? Yeah, the, the most of the stem cells that they do the reaches on comes from aborted babies. So that that's the problem. So a friend of mine, um, who knows anari who was a pastor in the garden chauffeur, her husband, Murray, he was a researcher and he did stem cell reaches and he got an amazing contract for work overseas, I think it was in Ireland. And And he was so excited, and then when he got the contract, it's you have to sign and say that you're okay with doing the research on the stem cells of aborted babies. And obviously, now this is this is what I mean by how people think the end justifies the means. So some people would say it's okay to do it because the baby's already aborted anyways, and by doing it, we can really cure massive diseases. and this is true. By doing it, we can really cure diseases we can really do amazing research but what happens when when that's a practice which it is in in most countries in the world today it means there's a there's a demand for abortion it means someone a lot of people have interest in their being aborted babies so that would influence laws that would influence policies because someone knows that actually we need that so by saying the end justifies the means it's like you, get, you wanted to get a big cure for a big disease. Let's say they want to get a cure for AIDS. You might get there through the stem cell research of aborted babies. But what kind of person are you when you get there? So it's not just about where you're going to get. It's about who you're going to be when you get there. And this is what we have to think about. And this is what people sometimes don't think about. This is very common in the world. It's just like it's for a good cause. We're going to get somewhere amazing as long as we get there. Um, I Someone shared this with me when I was a student. Um, someone who was in church with me way back, different church. Um, he was um, just a new Christian. And then he would go out in the evening. And then he would like hook up with a girl. And then they'd be kissing and whatever. And then afterwards he would tell her about Jesus. So he said to me like... Um, the girl, he knows that it's not exactly right, um, but at least he's really connecting people and telling them about Jesus. <laughs> okay, so can I just say the end does not justify the means? The problem is yes, maybe he told that girl about Jesus, but what kind of person is he when he got there? And the other side of it is when you get where you wanted to go, people not, don't just scare that you got there. They actually care how you got there and what kind of person you are when you get there. I had to really help my friend. Like, You've told her the gospel, but you have not shown it to her. (laughs) (laughs) You have really confused her. I said, if you do that again, mess around. Don't tell them the gospel. Keep your mouth. (laughs) Um, It's better because you are confusing her because you are saying something and living something else. Don't do it. Okay, so the end does not justify the means. Let me just read Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to taste and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, that's what I showed you on that progressive thing with the arrows. If you don't know what you believe and why, when you walk into a room, you will conform to the strongest idea in the room so when I walk in onto the train where no one speaks, if I don't have like a core belief, a core value that one should speak on a train, which I mean I don't, because I don't, because that's not an important thing in my belief system, I don't believe there's a reason why one should speak loudly on a train, I conform to the strongest idea on the train. Clearly the idea on the train is that you don't speak. So I just conform. This is why... It's not enough just to have values, which you all already have. But you have to think about it. You have to evaluate what your values are. And you have to also understand why you have them. You have to have a reason for them. And I've spoken a while back on the why. And this is another, this is really the how to follow up on that sermon. You need to know why you live. Because, and go listen to my sermon sermon if you missed it, the why. Because you will, everything in your life will be determined on that. You want to live your life for the right why. If you don't know what your why is, then you probably just have one that you got from someone and you really don't wanna waste time on that. Now tonight is the how. You also wanna think about how you live. You don't wanna just live. You wanna spend time. It's worth taking time to understand how you live because it determines what kind of person you will become. Okay, so I'm gonna put if you put the next one up first, Jason. I'm gonna leave this up and you need to get your phone or something, but you can't go on Facebook now. Um, I want you to write something down. So get a pen and a paper if you have. If you don't have a pen and paper, then a phone will do. But switch the signal off, please. You know how it is. Like you pick up your phone to do something, and then half an hour later, you've checked every social media platform that there is, and you still don't remember what you were supposed to do. I want you to write down your three, the three values that you're currently living. Okay. So your your actual values. How, what do you value? Think about how you make decisions. Think about how you choose things for your life. Write down the three values that you're living. Okay, so to help you understand what a value in church, a vision draws people in life or any organization, but let's say church. A vision draws people together and sets direction. So the vision says, where's this bus going? So it drew us together. We all believed in the same vision. So we all joined this church because we believe in where we are going. We all want to go there. But values keep people together, and it maintains connection. We stay together, like she elegantly said, because we like each other. And because we, l- we like the behavior of the other people. And we, it's like you look at someone else, you're like, I, I would also like to behave like that. I, w- I would like to become like that person, or I approve of the way they are behaving. Vision draws together. It's something that you do. It's a direction. It's a what? Values keeps you together. It's a to be. It's a behavior it's a how so think of your three top values um, so my children for instance is not a behavior i can't say my children or my value i would say relationship with my children that's my value because relationship is a behavior it's something i can do so right think of your three values that you're currently living and just write them down So three values that you live, that you have, how you make your decisions. Three that you would like to have. Perhaps you have a friend who really um, prays a lot. And so for them prayer is really a value and you would like to have prayer as a value. You write that down. Perhaps you have a friend that's that's very good with confidentiality. You see that they never ever share something that someone told them. Maybe that's a value that you would like. You think I also want to be good with confidentiality maybe you see if uh, you have a friend that's really brave you've seen someone that takes a lot of risk Do you think that's i'm not very brave but i want to be something i want to value obviously you in reality you'll have lots of values like hundreds but it's good to to list the top ones what you call the core values So that you're aware of them, to think through them. And then God leads you sometimes to change them in different seasons as you need to grow in different things. I'm going to give you one more minute. I'm going to share with you, and I'm closing off with this tonight, um, the values that we got to for our church. Obviously, we will in time have more, but this is the five core values God showed us for now that we're going to start with. Some things that I want you to do with your list, so just keep it away, Jason, thanks. Um, What I want you to do with your list is, um, number one, um, share it with your accountability partner. And, you know, try and and think about it more, pray about it more. Let's, for the next while, let this become one of the things that you think about. I challenged you a while back to think about your why, to really pray about it, to really ask God. and, And it's an ongoing thing in your life. It's ongoing to... Grapple with some of these questions of life, and I want to encourage you now to start this thinking process. If you haven't started it yet, about the how. Maybe you're still busy with the why. Maybe you missed it all together, and you need to download my sermon this week catch up. You can do both together. But grapple with the why, grapple with the how, and share it with those around you that they can keep you accountable. Then also, as I'm going to go through the church, the five core values as a church. Um, See if maybe yours aligns to these, maybe you have the same ones on your list that's on here. So maybe you've picked up God speaking to you about something that is also speaking to the church about and that would be amazing. And then also look at the church's ones and look let the Holy Spirit show you some of them to start growing in more. I'm not going to explain each one to you. We've we've spent hours working on this so I can explain I can take five hours on each one and give you 20 scriptures can explain to you what it means what it doesn't mean what's the practical applications how will it change things how can you grow in it that's not for tonight that's still going to come we're still going to do a sermon on each one of them and lay it out so if you want that it is coming but it's not tonight um unless you've got till like six tomorrow morning i'm keen but (laughs) um my husband might not be so keen if i leave him that long but um, I'm just going give to give them to you and give you like a brief overview. And, and I want to, you know, some personalities are okay with just getting that. Some personalities like mine might find it a bit unsatisfying, as in give me the details, help me understand it. You might want to put up your hand and ask me 20 questions just to clarify what does this mean. So if, if you're like me, then just try and sit back tonight, <laughs> take a deep breath. For now, just take the headings and just let the Lord start working that in you. So for me, I'm definitely taking one or two of these. And I'm. Um, this is for me, this is the next goals in my quiet time. This is what I'm praying for myself. I'm taking one, so you can put that up, Jason. I'm taking the first one, I'm saying, Lord, knowing you is what we came to as our first core value. Relationship with God as a lifestyle. So what we said there is that each of us is invited to come into a real relationship with God and Jesus through salvation. We value knowing God personally as a primary value. So it's prioritized above anything and everything else. We value and grow our own individual relationship with God by prioritizing time with Him, conversing with Him, personal worship, towards Him, prayer, reading His Word, joining His church, joining corporate worship, serving in the kingdom. We invite others into this real relationship. We relate to God with reverence and respect for who he is, and we value the manifest presence of God. Therefore, we welcome it, we create platforms for it, we honor it, we encourage it, we invite others into it. A lot of words. But what I'm saying is, and we will still give you all the details in the time to come, but number one, as a church, we believe in knowing God personally, coming into that relationship with him and keeping that relationship with him every minute of every day. So instance, for me, in the next while, this is one of my goals in my quiet time, is, is relationship with God a lifestyle for me? Am I knowing God in every second of every day that I'm doing? Am I keeping up the conversation with Him? Am I talking to Him about my decisions, etc.? Number two, living with fire, led by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural. I'm just going to read to you. We believe God moves supernaturally. We value the supernatural ways of God. We desire it. We make room for it. We welcome it. We honor it. We invite others into godly, supernatural encounters. We believe the Holy Spirit moves through us. So this one is is two ways. Living with fire. It's like I'm living with fire. Here's the fire. And I'm living with it. I'm in this church. I'm living with the fire. Then it's also I'm living with the fire. I live with fire. It comes from me. But I also live with the fire. I live with the other little fires. (laughs) Okay, so through me and around me. So this is all about the supernatural. We believe that God moves supernaturally. We prioritize it. It, It's important. We say specifically there, led by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural. Not everything that's supernatural is God. That's why we're led by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural. The third one, being together relationships with each other in honor and love so some of the things I've said tonight God created us he's he's a relational being he created us to be relational uh, we value that God made us relational therefore we seek relationship with each other in this community we value and respect the different relationships have different levels of intimacy so you, you have we all have relationship but not every relationship has the same depth um, we recognize that each individual has value we treat treat people with respect and honor. Our our relationships are centered around Jesus as the king. So part of our relationships is encouraging each other towards godliness. We love sacrificially. We support people through tough times and we forgive when people make mistakes. Uh, We recognize that community is not something I come to get. It's something I come to give. And in the giving, you will receive it. Um, But it's not a commodity that I can come and claim. It doesn't work like that. And we believe in order to, to be together, we need to come together. So we value serv- Sunday services, we value small groups, we value social time together, etc. So Being together. The fourth one is cultivating awareness. So there was a big discussion among some of us and the word was actually awareness. So awareness, awareness, whichever one you like. <laughs> I, cho- I choose awareness. We recognize the body of Christ biblically consists of different nations, which the Bible calls tribes and tongues. And there's a specific richness that comes with a variety. And therefore people from all any nationalities, cultures, ethnicities are desired, welcomed and embraced in our community. We choose to be aware of the people around us in every setting. We are lovingly considerate in our behavior. This is what we call awareness. We seek to mutually serve and sacrifice in this community where there's different languages and cultural expressions. We live with open eyes and ears so that our hearts and hands may thoughtfully respond. We value that God reconciles us to himself, 2 Corinthians 5 16. And he calls us to facilitate reconciliation amongst each other. So we, we aim to be the reconciliation and we aim to facilitate the reconciliation. We aim to be peacemakers and we aim to show South Africa how you live together. Fifth one, intentionally outward, church beyond the building. So there's there's different aspects of that one. So the first one is, we believe God has a specific way in which he wants to use each person that's sitting here. So as a church, we want to help you find that way. Uh, We want to encourage you to live it. And yes, in here, but this is um, the team talk. Okay, for those of you who do sports, this is the team talk, the service. The game is in the week. This is not the game. So... This is where, yes, you will use your giftings and things here, but that's not the main point. The main point is out there, beyond the building. So we, we want to be a church where, where this is a value. So we encourage you to find that when you go out there and you be, you are in the game, you be the person God has called you to be, that we encourage each other in that. We recognize that that often happens in team. Just very practically for me, um, I have prefer gifting. I love getting words for people. I have friends who are very good at building relationships. But you know there's sometimes that thing, if you, if you build a strong relationship with someone, it becomes difficult to suddenly, out of the blue, give them like a big word, especially if it's like an unsafe person, because they're like, what? <laughs> so I always say to people, invite me to dinner, so I don't know them. So I'll meet them and I'll give them a word. And um, if they don't like me afterwards, I don't really care. It's not a problem, like we haven't lost anything. Because I don't have relationships. relationship. So you you have a relationship with him. You don't lose your relationship. You keep building it. But, but this is my gift. Invite me and I'll bring my gift. And I've loved how that's worked um, to partner. So that's just how I found it with me. So part of this church beyond the building is we recognize God uses us together with specific giftings. And then the third one, um, we value God's calling in our church community. And we seek our specific moral duties. So that comes down on. In the Bible, there is a million things that the church should do in the world. Okay, Anabash Anabosh cannot do all of them, like care for the poor, um, you know, be there when for disaster relief, say when there's a flood, feed everyone who doesn't have food, um, you know, change every business, um, reach all the politicians, um, you know, there's like really like a million things like that, and as Shavur Anabash, God does not require all us to tick all million. But as a church, we are committed to know from him which ones we should. That's what we call our moral duties. And those ones we do. That's where we do church beyond the building. So kind of those different levels. So just something amazing. So how do you guys feel about this? Amazing, right? And how many of you had had written something down that somehow fits in here? Yeah, quite a few. That's amazing. So we did this and, and really the Lord led us and we went through a lot of, lots of different people, lots of different giftings. We had some wonderful arguments for a long time between strong personalities of different giftings. <laughs> and it, I loved it. This is how we get to, you know, really what God has for us. Um, all in love, of course. But then after we've done all this, I just wrote up everything and this is what I found. So if you can put up the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, two of the, pivotal things in the Bible for the Christian life. The great um, commandment teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Okay, so Jesus said new Testament: these two, this is the two commandments. Then he gave us a great commission. Matthew 28, he said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What, is it? what do you do with authority? Yeah, it's, it, authority is, is the right to use power. Okay, so authority has a lot to do with miracles. It has a lot to do with um, deliverance. It has a lot to do with gaining ground. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It has a lot to do with salvation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. So I... We have a lot of scriptures with each value, really like about 20 or more, which will still get around to everyone. but um, just looking at the Great commandment and the Great Commission, and this I did afterwards. This is incidental, but not really. but if you just chose the next one, it all lines up. I feel our five core values encompass, the Great commandment and the Great Commission. So the first one, knowing God, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your souls, all your mind. okay. Being together, if you just skip one, there, love your neighbor as yourself. Also, these two, or both both of these, are loving your neighbor as yourself. Then, the Great Commission, if you look at living as far, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Move in authority in the supernatural. And then, therefore, go and make disciples, teaching, etc., intentionally outward. So this was amazing to me, just the stamp of approval from the Holy Spirit on the work that we've done. And then obviously as the for movement, the for movement also has core values. Before you put them up, who knows what they are? Power of belief. Passion for Jesus. People, people to serve. Yeah. There's two more. Purpose to pursue. Places to Impact. Okay, so if you put out the last one, I just realized that our core values align exactly to the Shofa core values, which is also amazing. Knowing God, passion for Jesus, living with fire, power of belief, being together and cultivating awareness is people to serve, intentionally outward is both purpose to pursue and places to impact. Cool. So I'm going to pray for us. God, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you um, you that your spirit speaks and we can celebrate that. Thank you as a church, Lord, that you're really doing a defining work amongst us and that you're taking us to the next level that you want to take us, Lord. Thank you that tonight we can respond to you. Now I want to invite you just to respond by putting up your hand. If you want to respond to God and say, make me into a person who lives this. If I've sat down and really looked at them, if you really think about living it, it's completely overwhelming and impossible. And it's awesome because we want to move by the grace of God. And tonight, Lord, each one of us responding to you is saying, Lord, make me into a person, make me into this person, this is who I want to become. I want to be like you, Jesus, and I want to live these things, I want to know God, I want to live with fire, I want to be together, I want to cultivate awareness, and I want to be intentionally outward. Such a tall order, Um, so many things, but by your grace, Jesus so if you just want to lift up both your hands, I'm just going to ask Jesus, give us the grace, Lord, to walk these values. We just repent, Lord, any of us in, in ways which we perhaps have not. And even been convicted tonight where we have not honored someone, where we've not endeavored really to know you in everything. Where we've not been intentionally outward, where we've perhaps not cultivated awareness. Yeah, Jesus, we repent of that. If you think of something specific, you repent to Jesus. But we ask for the grace. I just believe God is giving us a grace. It's like he's raining it from heaven tonight. We've had lots of words about fire coming down onto our heads. And um, there's an empowerment of the Holy Spirit for the work that God calls us to do. And, And you can choose to receive that. Thank you that we receive tonight, Lord. We receive your grace. Receive your empowerment, your fire. We want to receive it from heaven for this journey. Thank you that you have put us together Lord. I just love everyone on this bus. Thank you that in different ways you've gotten us into this bus. Some of us very um, knowingly, some of us kind of fell onto the bus. Some of us was dragged on by someone else. But Lord, in your, in your wisdom, you've put us all on this bus. And I'm grateful Lord. Thank you for amazing people that I get to spend this journey with. Thank you, Lord, that we can shape each other, become like each other, make us people that we want to become like each other. Thank you, Lord, that you can do that in our hearts. Yeah, and thank you, Lord, for so many um, empty seats, that there's so many that you yet want to bring in, and that you want to take them back down that line. When they come into that culture and into the atmosphere, that it would change behavior, it would change thinking, and it would change belief, Father, and that we would be more like Jesus we would become more who we were always meant to be, that each person would become who you've created them to be, not whose situations in the world have shaped them, not with hurts and pains and wounds, but free and whole, not carbon copies of each other, but in true identities that you've purposed, that you've created for each person before the foundation of the world. And while the eyes are closed, Just the last prayer, but there's just some people here that I need to pray for your identity. It's like the Lord is saying, do you know who you are? Do you know that before you were formed in the womb, God already planned you that you have a specific identity, whether you know it or not. God wants to help you find it. So if you just want to open your eyes and look at me, if that's you, if you want to respond to find your specific identity. Thank you, lots of people. I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for each eye that's open, Lord. You just agree with me in your heart. Thank you, Lord, that to know where we're going and to know how we're going to get there and to know what we believe, at the bottom of this needs to be our identity. It needs to be who I am, that I'm a son and a daughter of God. And who am I specifically? And I want to pray now for each person that responded. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them. And the Holy Spirit will start to show you things. And I want to encourage you to get a journal and write it down. You normally don't get a full picture all at once. You're going to get little puzzle pieces and you write it down. And you just see as the picture comes together. Thank you for each person, Lord, that you confirm to them who they are. I pray that they might dream. I pray that, that people would speak life into them, that speak destiny into them. Call out the gold in them. Thank you, Lord that you're faithful to complete this journey of identity some of you will have to wrestle like jacob have to wrestle for who you are some of you need to ask god you need to, to pray this now and tonight you need to say lord what do you call me and i feel like the lord will give you a new name there's some people here that the lord's going to give you a name you'll keep your other name still but god's going to give you another name a name that he names you And you need to say lord what do you call me and god's going to give you a new name thank you for that jesus for some people Yeah, thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you work in our hearts. And we want to glorify you, and we thank you for where you are taking us. We thank you for how we're going to get there. We thank you for you, Jesus. It's all about you. You're the beginning and the end, the first and the last. If it wasn't for you, there would have been nothing in the first place. We love you, Jesus, and we are privileged to come with you. And thank you this week that you help us, God, to to grow, to be like Jesus. And it also shows where to take hands and bring people along on the journey. Just sense that some of you tonight have been dragged onto the bus by others. There's also some of us here tonight, there's people God wants you to drag onto the bus. Just from a place of of, um, despair and hopelessness. If You see people who are despairing and who are hopeless. Just sense that's a specific word for this time. Bring them. Bring them onto the bus. God wants to give hope. He wants to deliver from despair. We thank you that we find those people, Lord, in Jesus' name. We glorify you. Amen. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful week.